Hola, hola, hola. You're listening to Se Ve, Se Escucha, Seen and Heard, a language justice podcast for translators, interpreters, translators, queer interpreters, trans people, queer people, and everyone interested in learning more about trans and non-binary language. Se Ve, Se Escucha is a project of the Center for Participatory Change. I'm Ada Bolkmer. And we are on a roll, everybody. It's a queer trifecta. Uh, our first episode was with Queer Black Editing. Uh, our second episode was with Maestre Lourdes of They Call Me Mix. And today we are here with the one and only hashtag queer interpreter Artemis Lopez. Welcome to Se Ves Escucha. Muchas gracias. Um, I am very excited. I say this about all the guests, but it's true. I am very excited that you are our guest and I'm really excited to like get into it. Um, at the beginning of the season, I said that like Seves Escucha is hitting the road. Um, and so here I'm just hitting the road like metaphysically to Washington, D.C., which is uh, where you call home right now. Um, so tell me a little bit about Queer Interpreter. Washington, D.C. is the occupied land of the Piscataway and the Nacochtank people. Uh, so I just wanted to say that before we get right into it. So, uh, yes, I'm Artemis. I'm Queer Interpreter. Um, I, I'm a queer, non-binary translator and interpreter. I never really intended to get into translation and queer interpretation. It's just... I feel like that's a place where we're really, really underrepresented. I honestly, I've started meeting a couple of non-binary translators, but generally there's a lot of language injustice happening to us um, in that I've been pursuing several certifications. Actually, as I was telling you just today, mm -hmm. I got a master's in medical translation. Hello. Yay! <laughs> um, and part of that is because anytime that I come into a space and I want to speak about myself, how I speak about myself. So I use they pronouns in English. I use ella in Spanish. There's always somebody who comes in to tell me that I'm speaking incorrectly, mm -hmm. that I don't know how language works. Mm -hmm. And I definitely do know. <laughs> I don't know how language works entirely, but I know what I'm doing. I am being very intentional in the ways that I'm speaking. Um, and I feel like that is very hard. And that is why... That's one of the driving forces behind my work as a translator and interpreter in making sure that our people are also represented. Um, yeah, I also, I, aside from, so I'm currently um, an interpreter, a medical interpreter on staff in a, with a clinic in Washington, D.C. I'm also a freelance translator. But aside from the Spanish and the English, I'm conversational in sign language. Uh, and I'm, I have a lot of feelings as well about language justice and accessibility outside of just Spanish and spoken languages. Yeah, this this whole thing, like um, for this second season, one of the underlying themes is kind of like broadening up what language justice means and how to mm -hmm. get it out of this like English, Spanish, you know, dichotomy or binary. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I uh, siento como bastante como cosas en común around like... Um, around your work and I've I've learned uh, a lot uh from like following you and and reading uh, things from you so I I really appreciate it. Um can you tell us a little bit about the trainings that you do? Uh yeah, so honestly I haven't done a lot of trainings yet. I'm starting, but I've been giving honestly I've been given some amazing platforms. Um I'm a member of the American Translators Association, which is 
really it's international. It's not only for the U.S. and it's for translators and interpreters, linguists, I guess, if they want to join. And I was able to present last year what I believe was the first queer presentation that they ever had. And it was on the bare basics of queer, trans, non-binary translation. The presentation actually started by defining queer, trans, non-binary. So that's how basic it was. But I feel like it helped and it made a lot of people think about things that they hadn't thought about before. Uh, and this year as well, in October, I think October 26th, I will be presenting again at the ATA in Palm Springs. And I will be presenting <laughs> on a bunch of translation errors that I have seen, mostly as a mostly as a queer interpreter, but also through life. A lot of things like one of the ones that I say a lot is a clinic in DC has asks for their pronoun for the patient pronoun. So obviously they care about people's identity, but they go he, el, she, ella, they, ellos, ellas, which to back translate is they, multiple men, multiple women, and nobody, these are still binary and they're also plural and nobody has these pronouns. Um, so yeah, those errors that are very well-intentioned, they're just errors and need to be dealt with in some way. Um, so I guess I, I um, do you, will you tell me a little bit about you? And kind of like before you were um, doing this work. So I was listening to several of your past episodes this week just to get back into the zone. Um, and I was listening to the one about Raices and all of these kids who are growing up bilingual. And it reminded me that um, when I got to the U.S., I got to the U.S. when I was 12. And our teachers, I'm saying our, like my, my teachers, my sister's teachers, told our mother to stop speaking to us in Spanish. They told her that if she wanted us to ever speak English, she had to stop speaking Spanish. And my mother is also a translator, and she very politely told them to shove it. <laughs> um, and she still spoke to us in Spanish. She corrected all for Spanish. I remember, you know, texting all of my friends in chat speak, and she would peek over my shoulder and get mad that I was misspelling things. <laughs> and all of my life, I've grown up, we've all grown up, like, over dinner or dinner conversations are here's this weird word like hey did you know that jaundice and ictericia are actually cognates like wow that's so weird but it makes a lot of sense uh so i've always been really deeply in language um and there's a related quote as well that's related to this whole queer and trans and non-binary thing um there's a quote by lao seaman uh from lavender languages which is a conference on queer linguistics that happens every year and I was not at it, but a friend of mine was. And the quotes that made a lot of people very angry was trans people kind of already are linguists by necessity. And I absolutely agree in that we have always been deep in this language thing that we had to sort out somehow. So all of these, I guess, like moving here and my mother telling our teachers that she would speak Spanish and the linguistics conversations, like all of these are the ingredients to me just translating and interpreting <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so do you want to get into it do you want to share some of your favorite terms uh vocab words for all the nerdy interpreters and translators out there yeah so let me i have i have a lot of a lot of thoughts uh most of my thoughts obviously are in spanish um i i mentioned that i know sign but sign is really cool and that most of it doesn't have gender you mostly like point at people so some words mother father have gender but most of it doesn't have gender. So 
the issue with Spanish and English is that Spanish has grammatical gender while English does not. What that means is that uh, not just the pronouns, but adjectives and nouns also have gender and they need to all agree within the sentence. So Spanish has grammatical gender, English does not. Um, I, I honestly don't use the terms inclusive language or the term. I don't use the term inclusive language because I feel like it is very broad and very vague. Inclusive language can be inclusive of blind people who need screen readers. It can be inclusive of people with disabilities. It can be inclusive of fat people. It can be inclusive of so many things. Um, and it also, it's used a lot as well by um, feminists who just want to visibilize, visibilize, yes, bring visibilization to, um, uh, to women, right? So they will use female forms as the neutral. They will always use she or they will say whatever. Um, so I don't, re I don't usually use the words inclusive language. The two terms that I have been using are direct non-binary language mm -hmm. and indirect non-binary mm -hmm. language. That's in my notes uh, to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Great, great. I love these terms. It took me a very long while to come up with them. So yes. <laughs> um, so the difference between these two is most obvious in Spanish, really, in that indirect non-binary language would be something like las personas. So instead of um, the residents, you could say las personas que viven, las personas que residen, uh, instead of using les residentes, which would be one example of direct non-binary language. That is, direct non-binary language is very direct. Uh, and it's very obvious. It's not, it's generally non-traditional language. And I say that even though indirect, it's also not traditional because it's not really natural to say las personas que residen instead of saying los residentes. But los residentes is also wrong. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so that's one of my things. Um, I also feel like when, when I use indirect non-binary language, um, I try to go for epicene female words. What this means is uh, epicene words don't have, don't have a gender regardless, right? Like person, persona, we just said mm -hmm. everyone is a persona, men mm -hmm. are a persona, mm -hmm. women are persona, no binaries are persona. Um, but it ends in an A, which means that the entire sentence will be female coded. It will have female agreement. Uh, so if we have a sentence or... If we have a sentence with two clauses, right, such as blondes go here, brunettes go here. If you do it with the standard, the standard would be to just assume they are all men or okay with being masculine. So it would be los rubios van aquí, los castaños van aquí. If you use something like individuos, which is epicene, but it's coded male, you don't know whether it's neutral or it's still like the male neutral. So los individuos rubios van aquí, los castaños van aquí. You don't know if it's los individuos or los castaños on its own. If you use persona, you know that it is female. So it's las personas rubias van aquí, las castañas van aquí. Um, and las castañas is obviously las personas. Because similarly, you could do like las personas rubias van aquí, los castaños van aquí. And that would also be acceptable. So that's... I don't know if I expressed that no, correctly. No, 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 no. And I guess um, I wanted to ask you, 
like what do you say when an interpreter because i feel like i've been in these conversations to like i've been in conversations with interpreters and the majority of interpretation that i do is simultaneous interpretation and so sometimes i've heard like gotten a little bit of pushback around like ya estamos haciendo demasiado like our brains are already like encoding decoding the message blah 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 like i can't possibly learn new words <laughs> which i think is bullshit um i can't possibly learn new words so what do you say to folks like that and what how have you trained yourself or how do you encourage other people to train themselves to use this like indirect non-binary or the direct non-binary language I don't know honestly just practice it's about caring really um like one of my coworkers I started working at my company uh about seven, eight months ago and when I came in one of my coworkers is also from Spain she had never met a non-binary person in her life but she met me three days into this so somebody had already alerted her to the fact that a non-binary person was on staff um so she came up to me and she straight up asked me she's like hey I like calling people nene nene ends in a but like what what do you do with that and then we just agreed on tiki which we both like and it's cute um but this is so our very first encounter was she had absolutely no idea but she was willing to try and after that i don't know five months later she had to interpret she was asked to interpret for an event where the speaker would be non-binary <laughs> and she i mean she sweated through the entire thing she talked to me for weeks before it but she was able to do it because she has been practicing. Like, this is not a thing that you can do very easily. Like, this is not a thing that you can just switch into. Um, there's another podcast. I don't know if I'm allowed to, pl to plug other podcasts oh, sure. in this thing. Uh, there's the, this podcast called The Vocal Fries, and it's also about linguistic justice. Um, and they have an episode maybe from a year ago um, with uh, Dr. Santiago Kalinowski, who speaks about... A, different a different side of inclusive or non-binary language in that he speaks about todes but inclusive of groups right so within these groups it doesn't matter if there's no binary people in them so this could be for two men and two women so he's not really looking at the non-binary side but he's still talking about it a lot and one of the things that he said is there was this video a couple of years ago that came out of this girl who just speaks with the a throughout uh -huh. it's like a and little girl in people, argentina no yeah uh -huh. mm -hmm. so of course people were complaining that she doesn't know how to speak but his point is that she does and it does take a lot of work and it does take a lot of practice so i'm not expecting anyone to overnight start using uh direct non-binary language or even indirect but it really takes practice and it's part of what we're it's part of our job it's part of the things that we should be learning because non-binary people exist um we're gaining more visibility every day one of the um, so for example one of the <laughs> a lot of people talk about this specific series because it's a great great example and the series is netflix's one day at a time uh i just did a presentation on it in canada actually there was a great conference um called they uh them no they hear a and you so it was a conference on the linguistics of non-binary pronouns in english in canada in kingston it was great um and i presented on three series but including one day at a time because there's four translations right so for anybody who's not really familiar with audiovisual translation or specifically with spanish one piece of english work will get four translations it will get the spain subtitles the spain dubbing like voiceover 
Latin American subtitles and Latin American voiceover. That's because of weird political reasons. <laughs> but the subtitles and uh, voiceover are different because they have different requirements for timing, for characters. So there's usually four different translations. So I looked at all four of these translations of one day at a time because it has no binary characters in it. There's one that's recurring and a few others that come and go. And one of these translations is amazing. <laughs> it is by Javier Pérez Alarcón, and that is the Spain voiceover, the Spain dubbing. Um, and it's beautiful, and they use direct non-binary language throughout to speak about this person. And I, I cried at 10 p.m., and I called my mom to see if she could set up her VPN, because I've never seen this on TV. And the first episode, you know, I was like running around going like, where can I find an example of this? The very first episode that I saw was this character and her girlfriend are trying, excuse me, this character and their girlfriend are trying to come up with a word for them that wouldn't be girlfriend. Could be, they go through many, right? So it could be partner, it could be other half, it could be whatever. Um, but it's an entire episode about love for this non-binary person in this specific language that I use and people complain about all the time. So that was really, really like deeply moving for me. So that's one of the translations, but the other three translations don't do it right. And they keep misgendering this character. I, I never, like, I would never point fingers because I don't know if the translator translated it with direct and then the editor didn't like it. I don't know where the misgendering happened, but I do know that there's one that's, amazing <laughs> uh so that's i don't know how we got here but that's a really, one really good example of uh direct non-binary language and the the ways that it can be really moving and really important and i guess that's also one way to expose yourself and that they can do it instantly on tv because it's tv and it's in a dubbing studio and it's rehearsed and it's fine but consuming more media and more resources that use this language will also help you reproduce it. And I, and I think I, I read on your website to talk about like the Netflix has done all this work and one day at a time has done all this work to put Sid as a character and mm -hmm. then how the translations then invisibilize all the work of, of, the, of yes. the show and of the, of the character. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if you're, you know, a lot of people take pride in not watching the dubs. Um, this series actually has entirely changed my mind on the value of dubs before i thought that they were fine if you didn't if you couldn't read if you couldn't whatever but truly like you get a completely different experience if you're watching this specific translation than if you're watching anything else so a lot of people who take pride in not watching the dubs or a lot of people who are on this side of the ocean right because i watched mm -hmm. the spain version mm -hmm. through my vpn um have no way to know. You're just encountering Sid as this person who says that she is non-binary, mm -hmm. but she this, she mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. you can miss it. They say the word maybe three times in the three seasons mm -hmm. and that's it. Right. Right. Um, so do, do you want to give, you gave some examples of indirect non-binary language. Do you want to give some more examples of direct? Yeah, let's talk about direct. So direct, uh, you have definitely seen it in things such as Latinx that ends in an X rather than an O as it used to. Uh, so in Spanish, the O generally means that it's male. The A generally means that it's female. So the two approaches that I feel have most promise right now, 
are the X, as I said, like Latin X, and the A, which would be Latin A. Um, there have been other approaches in the past, like the at symbol, like O slash A, but all of those are binary, and they... You can also say, like, niños y niñas, but that also is binary, and all of these examples go against the economy of language, which is honestly a very fancy way of saying it makes things very long. Right. <laughs> uh, and I mean, indirect non-binary language makes things very long as well. So that's not a huge complaint of mine, just that they're not really solutions. Like, they're still binary, and they're only visibilizing women. Um, so the A and the X, I feel fill different niches. I have a theory that X actually came out of Anglo spaces in the US. I think that it's exactly the same X that we encounter in things like women and person. So I think it just came out of, I mean, literally, not just metaphorically, like crossing the gender out of the word. But we get the same problem with this women and person in that there's no way to voice that. So it's really great in writing. Um, you can have entire feminist, non-binary manifestos, but it's very hard to express it in, in speech. Um, when, Ada, were you, were you in Philadelphia with me? Who was in Philadelphia with no, me? No, my friend Erica was in Philadelphia with you, and that's how uh, yeah. we got connected. Right, I, re I remembered why we were there, but okay, <laughs> great, great, great. So when I was in Philadelphia, uh, in Philadelphia, wow, two years ago, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I went to the Philadelphia Trans Health Conference. I feel like right now it's called the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference. It's changed names. But so I and one of my roommates, who's also non-binary, um, went there and we held this space for non-binary Spanish speakers, people who sort of were into Spanish. It was a very open space um, to just talk about how we we're all speaking about ourselves. And several people said that they write the X, but they pronounce it with an A or with an rather, I guess. So they would write Latinx, but they would say Latine, which makes a lot of sense because unless you speak, for example, one of the many indigenous languages in the U.S., which have plenty of X's in it, the X isn't really native to Spanish. So you get a sentence such as mi amigex es altex, huacpex, ilistex, and it's, it kind of makes the conversation lag. It's very weird to say it, as opposed to with the A, which would be mi amiga es alte, guape y liste, and it flows better. So, honestly, I am biased. I like A better. I use A for myself. Um, because it can be pronounced this year, and because it honestly has a precedent. So you can find it in words such as interprete, paciente, which already are epicene. Like I said, they have no gender, uh, but they end in an A on their own. Um, I also, one of my friends recently found us an article that dates the A back to 1976, which is really cool. <laughs> and I, I'm very interested as well. I mean, I say that I came up with it. That's a lie. I don't think that I coined it, but I think that a lot of people on our own in different places, different countries, different times have coined the AA because it makes natural sense because it has this precedent. So that's why I'm personally really into using the A. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what other words, when you were talking about, like, at the conference, people using words to how people were speaking about themselves? One of the really cool things that was said there was actually by Kirby Conrad, excuse me, Dr. Kirby Conrad, because they are finally a doctor, um, who uh, Kirby studies the syntax of um, 
pronouns in English, non-binary pronouns in English. So Kirby was saying that pronouns used to be a closed class in English, and that means that there's only a set amount of words that could be pronouns. So you had he, she, they, it, and that was about it. So it used to be a closed class. And now it's not entirely an open class, but it's maybe like... Ah, what's the word? What's the word? Um, una clase entrecerrada, like, like the doors propped hmm. open, sort of like a propped open class. <laughs> uh, because I mean, you could take anything, any word to be a pronoun, but generally, as we found, there were several presentations on neo pronouns, so words that you have decided are now pronouns. They're new, um, and there's definitely a certain pattern to them in their general length and generally how they are used in their different ways right because you have the pronoun he but you have he his or he him his so the way in which those classes are also changed um so it's gone from being a completely closed class to pretty much anything could be a pronoun as long as it's short and you can change it in these ways so do you have other like tips guidelines or solutions to offer um, to some of the listeners? Today, uh, I picked up Because Internet by Gretchen McCullough, which is an amazing, amazing new book that's already making me weep <laughs> on the linguistics of the internet. So Gretchen is basically on every social media ever, and she studies internet language. And one of the things that she says just in the introduction is that we all have um, formal and informal language, both spoken and written but now because of the internet we're accessing that informal writ informal writing much quicker it's much easier to find it rather than collecting letters from years ago and transcribing them and whatever so a lot of these conversations are happening in informal language because of what i said because a lot of people are trying to police how we're expressing ourselves and spoken language is happening but you need to be there to hear it while written language you can access so a lot of these new terms you can find on twitter probably on facebook but i'm not on facebook uh, <laughs> i don't know is if tumblr is still a thing it's probably happening on tumblr <laughs> i definitely started on tumblr um but i feel like a lot of the language that you can follow is going to be online so i actually have a couple of secret twitter lists on people who speak in interesting ways awesome awesome <laughs> so i have several um non-binary people and i have them on a list and i can just look into it and see like how they're using things so another of um my friends that i was speaking to recently asked me how spain says misgender because she has seen it as i think she's seen malgenero malgenerar uh and she's from argentina her name's flo um so Margeneral sounded weird to her. She said that they just say hacer mis gender. No. They say misgenerar. And then I went on one of my lists, and really what my lists have been saying is hacer mis gender. <laughs> so that's one of the ways that you can be finding language, just following how people are speaking, I guess. And are there folks that you would recommend to like start following? Um Yes, definitely. Aparte, um, aparte de ti, obviamente. Aparte de <laughs> well, I feel like one of the best things that my Twitter has uh, is that one thread of resources. So my 
my Twitter, which I don't think we've said it. It's Queer Tripper. Um, you should follow me. I'm mm-hmm. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my pinned post, I had been talking about doing this forever and then I finally did it. Uh, my pinned post is just a bunch of resources on linguistics or translation of gender things or queer things. It's a very open-ended um, thread. Uh, but it has some, I mean, really great books, like actually about queer translation. And then it has some posts like, um, people should follow me, obviously. Uh, should definitely follow Kirby, which is Kirby Conrad. Um, Lauren Ackerman as well. Their handle is Verbing Nouns. Should follow her. Should follow the Vocal Fries podcast. I think it's Vocal Fries Pod. Wow. And I mean, also definitely should follow um, Javier Perez Alarcón. His handle is Javi P. Alarcón. And I will give all of these to you in writing. Um, and uh, you should also follow Begoña Martinez Pagan. And her ha- handle is Mini Bego. Um, so Javi and Begoña are both translators. Javi, as I said, has done One Day at a Time. He's also done Danger and Eggs for Amazon Prime, which also has no binary characters. Um, and Begoña is a translator. And some of the things she's done is a queer a graphic novel. She's translated that into Spanish. Um, and she's done a couple of works as well against fat phobia and other sorts of phobias in general. I think these are all really cool people to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share before we close out? But there's also another conference that I went to in April called Maricorners. <laughs> in España. In España. Mm-hmm. So I went, I went to Spain in April. Um, they're talking about doing it again. I don't know when. <laughs> um, but so they, as I said, was about non-binary, excuse me, the linguistics of non-binary pronouns in English. Maricorners was the first conference on queer communication in Spain. So it was translators, but it was also reporters. They had an entire education track. Um, so both conferences have a lot of really great people in them. Um, I feel like all of the abstracts are, maybe not the abstracts, but all the speakers are online. So there's a lot of great people that you can follow out of that as well. I think that's it. I don't know if you have anything else for me. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, right. I want to uh, say gracias. Muchísimas gracias. Um, it's been a pleasure to kind of follow you learn from you yeah I'm super excited about like the folks who listen to Cerveza Escucha like just like checking you out and um, just kind of again like broadening um, broadening this this language just this work that we do entonces muchísimas gracias yeah thank you so much for having me as well <laughs> for sharing your platform with me and You all honestly do some great work, so I'm really excited to be here and part of your podcast. <laughs> so I, I will say thanks to 103.3 Asheville FM, WSFMLP in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm Ada Volkmer of the Center for Participatory Change. Leonel Gutierrez of GMD Productions. Follow Artemis at Queer Interpreter. Follow Seves Escucha on Facebook and Instagram or on Twitter. We are at SVSE Podcast. Email us at SVSE Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, like, follow, leave a review, pongan unas estrellitas, uh, the whole thing. Uh, this episode produced by GBD Productions. Music by Combo Chimbita. Chimbita.